everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is the show that helps you become a more effective student. And this episode is probably going to be a pretty short one, and um, I'm going to tentatively title it, You Need to Do a Reset. Now, this is a little bit of self-insertion into your own life. I don't know for sure that you need to do a reset, but um, I recently had to do some resets in various areas of my life. And uh, I think this week has been really productive. It's been a pretty good week on average for me. And this is due to these resets. So I kind of want to just give you a little bit of kind of an update, a story about how I have been kind of failing in keeping my organizational systems running as smoothly as you may believe that they run on my videos. Um, and this is something that maybe maybe you know this and maybe you don't know this, but anybody who writes or makes content on productivity, anybody who purports to be a productivity guru, quote unquote, which I don't because I do not like that word, um, they are not perfect with their productivity. They have slumps and they have bad days and they get excited about systems and they write about them and they try them out for a while and they work super well and then over time things kind of decay and oh the family wants you to come over for dinner and ends up at like four hours and then your Sunday planning session you were going to do gets canceled and you have to go right into work on Monday and all of a sudden you have this snowball of just things piling up and all of a sudden you're very disorganized. If you've read my book which it's free and if you haven't read it it's about um getting better grades and you can get it over at collegeinfogeek.com slash book. But I would imagine most people who listen to the podcast have at least downloaded it. Chapter six talks about organizational systems and it talks about something I call entropy. Now in science, entropy is basically a term that just explains how energy dissipates and becomes more complex and spread out. Like uh, a very, very inaccurate example, but one that makes kind of sense to people is if you were to take a watch and, and smash it to pieces and put all the pieces in a plastic bag and shake it, shake it together, uh, it's almost certain that you're not going to have the watch piece itself back together into a more organized state. It's just going to become more jumbled and more random. And I like to apply this thermodynamic term to personal organization because this is Often what happens with our organizational systems, with the things that we use to keep our lives in order, as just random bits of life and entropy and other parts of life kind of, you know, seep in and challenge us and take up our time. So when I say, hey guys, I put all my to-dos into Todoist and then like right when I get a to-do the thing and uh, every Sunday... I will write a weekly plan in my notebook, and then every day I write a plan on my whiteboard, and then I make sure to like keep Todoist completely cleared out, and all the due dates synced up and everything. Like That's the idealistic version of what I do, and there are certainly weeks when I'm on top of it and works great, but over the past few, maybe couple of months, I would say, I've been a little bit behind on keeping, especially Todoist running, so... And what I found is when when you let entropy slip into your organizational systems, they don't work well anymore. And for me, it got to the point where I didn't trust them. It's like, well, Todoist is full of a bunch of tasks that are incorrectly like incorrect have incorrect due dates. They um, there's a bunch of tasks I just shoved in there, and I'm not sure if I even need to do them anymore. There's obviously a bunch of things that I've already done and haven't checked off, or things that got 
away from me. So it's not something I'm currently using. It's not something that's currently benefiting me. So if I have a new task, I'm not putting it to do it. I don't trust it. And what I found myself doing is I would just make all day events in Google Calendar. And that's where I put my tasks. And because uh, in Google Calendar, you have like your 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 hourly uh, day schedule, but right above it, there's a little slot for like all day events. And I was just like incorrectly using that as a place for reminders of things that weren't really like huge things in my life. So like I can see right now, I've still got a couple on that I need to clear out, but one's like uh, make sure I didn't get charged for renter's insurance that I canceled for my old apartment. Uh, I need to get a trademark for my business. Did I get a flight refund for that refund of the flight that got canceled recently? These things should be in Todoist, but I wasn't trusting my system because the entropy had messed it up for me. Now, I think the reason for this is that uh, just life gets busy and it gets busy, but that's that's kind of a cop-out sometimes. It's not that it gets like 100% busy. It's not like every minute of every day is filled with work that's preventing me from messing with my systems and getting them back in order. It's more of like I, I'm not making this organizational system a priority right now because of some deficiency of my time or my attention or my energy. My friend Chris Bailey, who runs a life of productivity and He's got a book coming out soon and he was on the podcast. I don't remember which episode, but I'll have it in the show notes. Uh, He talks about like, these are the three main elements of productivity, time, attention, and energy. You have to manage all three. And if something's going wrong, then you've got a deficiency in one or more areas. So I have been pouring myself into video lately. And I mean, you probably notice it. Like if you know anything about motion graphics or if you know anything about video editing, you've probably seen like, there's obviously a lot more time that's been invested in my recent videos than in the older ones, because I just have this thing where every time I make a video, I want to learn something new. I want to kind of improve on what I've done. And maybe that's not always useful. Like maybe if I have a little bit better virtual lighting in my quote animations, like maybe that doesn't benefit you in a huge way, but it does like, it brings me happiness to be able to find some new technique to use and to increase my skills, but it's also increased the time it takes. And what I've, what I've noticed recently is that using like these virtual cameras and these virtual lighting sources and after effects, uh, it increases the rendering time of my videos, like triple or more. Whereas it used to take like half an hour to render a video out because it was just like very simple animations and mostly just video footage. Now it takes hour and a half, two hours. I had one video that took four hours. Uh, wasn't happy about it, but, um, and I would just like sit around just like not doing anything. Of course I could be utilizing that time to do something else, but all my energy was drained from finishing the edit. And then I'm just sitting there waiting for like, come on, just finish so I can get you on YouTube and get that like catharsis of releasing the video and kind of bringing the cycle of that week's work to a close. And you might have noticed that a lot of my videos lately have been coming out on Fridays and I purport to have a Thursday publishing schedule. Well, sometimes it gets done on Friday because I'm putting so much effort to these little tiny details and then and then increasing my render times. And all of a sudden it's Friday, Friday afternoon, I'm publishing then. And I plan to get all these little admin tasks and organizational things done on Friday and then I'm not doing them. So I was investing so much time into to video stuff. I was investing a lot of my attention and energy into that. And I found at the end of every day, all that stuff was gone. Like the resources were drained. And um, as a result, like I wasn't taking the time to reset 
my organizational systems. So what I did, and you probably noticed this because I skipped a week of the podcast and a video actually, is I just booked a trip to San Diego. And this was like just basically going to be for 95% relaxation. I did, I had some meetings with some people out there that were actually pretty beneficial uh, in hindsight, but they weren't planned to be that way. I mainly went out there because I needed to just reset my brain. I went to San Diego. I booked a super cheap hostel. um, Got to meet a bunch of people from different countries. I hiked in uh, the Torrey Pines State Park, which is uh, north of San Diego, with a girl from Belgium and a dude from England. And that was really cool. We ended up walking, like, I think we walked 11 miles that day because we got down from the cliffs and we were on the beach and we saw the pier of the town we come from, which is La Jolla. And we're like, oh, we can see the beach. Let's just walk on the beach and we'll get back to the pier. And it turned out that was like a five mile walk on the beach. <laughs> In addition to the the five miles or six miles of walking we'd already done that day. So that was fun. But yeah, I brought my skateboard. You know, I skated around town, read a lot of books. Uh, one of the books I read was called Ancillary Justice, which was a pretty cool sci-fi novel. I'd recommend that. And I also read the, read the Wind-Up Girl, finished that. That was also good. Uh, really got me thinking about the environment, actually. But that helped to reset my brain. And as in a little bit of an aside, one thing I learned about myself, because I booked a full week out there. Left Saturday, was going to go back home the next Saturday. And... Around Wednesday or Thursday, I started like really itching to get back into work. And uh, another thing I learned about myself is when I'm on vacation and my like vacation quota is filled, I start seeing like fun, just kind of frivolous pursuits as a little bit pointless. But maybe it's not quite filled that maybe I'm not quite like refreshed enough to think of work as anything but stressful. So I get into like this little wedge where vacation is no longer appealing but work still seems stressful and I'm like, oh man, what is the point of anything? And luckily the next day I'm usually like back and ready for work and then I'm back to my normal happy self. So um, all that aside, probably about Thursday I was starting to work again. I was going to coffee shops. Everything was fine. And I came back and I was like, okay, I need to do a reset with my organizational systems. I've done a reset with my stress levels, with my energy. I went out to California, soaked up the sun for a week. That was awesome. Went in the ocean, needed that. But my organizational systems need the same tender love and care, right? So I just took a day, right? I took a day to go through Todoist. I cleared out all the tasks that didn't need to be there. I deleted old projects. I had like old projects for packing for, for trips I'd already done. Like you just... You got to get in there at certain times and just reset it, right? And I wrote this into my book and, you know, I wish that I could perfectly practice what I preach all the time because it's right in the book. I wrote it. It came out of my brain. I say right in the book, Sunday is your organizational planning day. That's when I write my notebook list of things I'm going to do for the week. But it's also the day that you should clear out your to-do list. You should make sure it's in order so you're preventing that buildup of terrible entropy that makes you unorganized. And I wasn't doing that. Sundays, I can tell you a little, another little like false brain hack that I have as an entrepreneur. Um, Even though I run my own business, I've sort of like gotten into the mindset of a normal working schedule. I I wake up at 5.30, I do my morning routine, and then I start working and I try to end work five around five or six so I can hang out with my girlfriend and my friends at night. And that's Monday through Friday. 
And then Saturday, I try to take a break. And what usually happens Sunday is my brain goes, hey, Tom, it's the weekend, but you could just take a couple hours to get ahead on some work. Maybe edit the podcast that has to come out so you don't have to do it Monday morning. Maybe clear out your email inbox. And I'm like, okay, brain, good idea. That's a great hack. And then I do it and I end up working the whole day. And what I don't do is my needed planning session where I clear out my to-dos and I write my stuff down and I end up frantically doing that Monday morning before my mastermind group. And it's all just, it doesn't work. So I need to tell myself specifically, yes, Sunday is for planning. If you're going to do any work on Sunday, you need to plan first. But regardless of that, these are, these are principles that you want to put into place in your life, right? Do that thing on Sunday. That's an ideal to live up to. But when you're living in the real world, you know, you can't start living up to that ideal until you reset, right? Until you clear neutral, as my friend Zach from Asian Efficiency likes to say. Clear the workspace to neutral. It was a French culinary concept. I think it's called like mise en place or something like that. I can't pronounce French. Uh, But it means everything in its place. And uh, with your task management system, everything needs to be in its place. With your calendar, everything needs to be in its place. So, This week, I took some time to get through, made sure everything was in Todoist, made sure my workflows were good for putting things into Todoist when I need them to be in there. I have due dates on there. I've created new projects that can help me better organize some collaborations I'm going to be doing in the future. I've got video things in there. It's not perfect, but it's definitely working better. Another thing I did was I actually uh, quit my party in Habitica, which used to be called Habit RPG. If you're not up to date on that, which hopefully you are. But when I started with Habit RPG, I was in a party with my roommate and then he quit Habit RPG for reasons of his own. So uh, I started the, the College Info Geek Guild and it was like this super small little group for a while. And I was like, well, whoever wants to join my party, well, this guild's super tiny. So just tell me your ID and I'll add you to my party, bro. Let's let's like slay some monsters together. And it was super cool for a while, but then the guild started to grow and my party like ballooned up to probably 15 members. And uh, eventually like I started getting so busy, I wasn't managing Habitica well during the day. So another guy in the guild, I think his name was Simon. He was like doing all the, the quests. Like he was, he was uh, accepting the quests. He was sending all the invites, basically running the whole thing for me. And I would just log into Habit RPG or Habitica and I would just see all these people up in my bar. It was like super messy. There's so much stuff like and I didn't really feel invested into the quests. So I felt like the system was just kind of like running itself and accumulating rewards without me really doing much. And I wasn't really doing my dailies like I, I was kind of resting at the end for some of the days. So at this point, the College Info Geek Guild has 2,908 members. We're almost at 3,000 and oh my gosh, we're like two spots away from the Nerdfighter Guild. I remember when I first made the guild, I looked through and most of the guilds inhabit RPG. Wow, I can't, I keep thinking of that old name, Habitica. Most of the guilds are like just interest group guilds, like introverts, overachievers, health nuts, writers, things like that. Uh, there are a few guilds that are specifically for people who have come together as like fans or participants in some other site or group so like nerd fighters is john and hank green's vlog brothers people like that you know um there's like people who do duolingo uh there was like one for nerd fitness and 
I'm looking at it now, and it's like College of Geek is almost the biggest guild about like another site other than the Nerdfighter one. So essentially, the guild has become basically unmanageable for me. <laughs> There's too many people in it. My brain can't handle almost 3,000 people, and it couldn't handle having like 15 or 20 in a party that I wasn't running. So I quit my party. I really pared down my dailies. I, I have currently, let's see here, I have uh, 10, just 10 dailies. And actually, I can tell it to you. So wake up before 5.45 a.m., which I'm, interestingly, I'm waking up at 5.30 and I'm not currently using my buffer wake up technique because I have found that for whatever reason, I can get up at 5.30 without fail. This whole week I've done it. And uh, actually, you know what? I, I know why. I know why I'm getting up at 5.30. This is going to sound, I don't know if this is going to sound like, I don't know. I don't even know what the word for this is. Every morning when I eat breakfast, I watch a guy on YouTube named Casey Neistat. And uh, he has this daily vlog, and he, he makes the best daily vlog on YouTube, bar none. It's amazing, like, the way he just, his filming techniques and the passion and just interestingness he infuses into content every single day is amazing. And the man is also an accomplished athlete. He's like, a long distance runner. He runs marathons all the time, but he's also like in the gym regularly as well. And he's, he doesn't like look like a skinny runner. Like he's just all around fit, really successful in business, makes a video every single day. And the dude is just like ridiculously inspiring to me. And I I guess it doesn't sound weird, right? It doesn't sound weird to have people you look up to. So I'll just say it to you. Casey Neistat is one of my biggest influencers right now to the point where I happen to know the man wakes up. In fact, I have his he, and in one of his videos, he had this whole 24-hour day schedule where he illustrated, like, where his time goes. And he was trying to make a point that, like, I don't play video games. I don't have free time because I wake up, I exercise for three hours, then I go to work at his tech company, Beam. Uh, and then he comes home for a while with to spend time with his family and his baby. And then from, like, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. is editing the vlog. And he sleeps from, like, 1 to 5 a.m which is crazy and actually really unhealthy. So I'm not trying to emulate that particular quality of the man. But uh, when I wake up in the morning, some mornings it's just like 530. I'm going to get up. All right, let's get out of bed. But like the mornings when it gets hard, I'm just like, Casey's up already. He's an hour ahead of me in the East Coast, but he's probably up already. I can get up if that man can get up, you know, and that's been working for me so far. And the moment that's not enough motivation Boom, the system turns back on because I can't always trust myself. I'm going to give myself trust while I can, you know, verify that I'm that I am keeping that trust and I am doing what I said I was going to do. But the moment I violate the trust, the system goes back on, the consequences go back into place. Currently, I am happy to report that I don't need it. And I think maybe part of it is just like I've built up the ability to get up early against my sleepy brain's wishes. Uh, because of that system. So I, I think it's a good system to try out if you're really having trouble getting up early. But maybe someday, like me, you won't need it. Anywho, uh, wake up before 5.45, take my vitamin, drink a glass of water in the a.m. to make sure I get at least 12 ounces of water right in the morning. I check my calendar, I make breakfast, which actually, um, one thing I'm trying to do is go one day per week without meat. And the reason for that... I'm not really sure what my ethical thoughts about like just eating animals in principle are. Um, if if you really want to get into it, my thoughts on ethics and things of that nature 
They rely on principle, but then they are often augmented by statistics. So put it this way, rather than trying to convince 15 people to be completely vegetarian because it will, um, because it will have a big impact on our carbon emissions and like that is a huge problem, it would be much easier to convince 100 people to just go one day a week without meat. Or, or to convince 500 people to eat beef and, or to eat chicken instead of beef, which has like a one fourth the amount of emissions or something like that. So, like you can get the same result with uh, a smaller change. And when I read the Power of Habit, like this really stuck with me because I was reading about this this hospital in, in Rhode Island where all these problems were happening. Like doctors were sawing into the wrong hemispheres of people's brains because they weren't going through the proper checklists and like all this stuff was happening and they wouldn't make a change. We're like pushing back to it resistant until I think like this big report came out, just basically like scathing condemnation of this hospital. And that caused them to make huge changes. And now they're doing wonderful. They have all these great, these great things in place. And uh, actually I want to Google something because it relates to something somebody said quote is never waste a good crisis now i know it was said by one of obama's advisors at one point i think but uh let's see here quote investigator (laughs) uh not thomas jefferson ram emmanuel maybe i don't know let's see here uh, the writer M.F. Weiner wrote it in the journal Medical Economics. Don't waste a crisis, your patients are your own. So maybe that was the original uh, source of that quote, according to the Freakonomics blog that I'm looking at right now. But many people have used that quote, and it's true. Don't waste a good crisis. Obviously, a crisis is often a tragedy or something bad is happening. But crises, 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 those are the things that get people to really change habits, Right. You don't really start taking action until something real bad happens, until the proverbial shit hits the fan. So that tangent aside, I'm trying to do one day per week without me. And I've actually discovered through kind of self-experimentation, a super delicious breakfast. And you can do this on your own. It's very easy. Just uh, put some olive oil and some butter in a pan. And I guess is butter vegetarian? I don't even know. <laughs> Somebody, some, some of you are probably going to tell me like, you're not vegetarian if you're eating butter. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, do that in a pan, put some, some garlic in there with some spinach and some red bell pepper. And then I saute that up, add some eggs with a little bit of cream and salt and pepper, and then mix all that up, throw some cheese on top, put it in a burrito and it's delicious. Absolutely delicious. And I go to the gym right after that breakfast. So I can tell you like that keeps me going. Now I go to the gym every day now, and there's a reason for that. And the reason is, before it was like three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to go to the gym in the morning. And then I'd get up Monday and be like, oh, but I really need to get the podcast out. So I'm going to just move my workout to Tuesday instead. And then Tuesday would come and be like, well, now I've got a podcast interview I got to do. And I need to really, I need really to write my video script before that interview so I can like make my day productive. So I just end up skipping the workout. So I don't give myself the option of moving days anymore. Every day during the week, weekends aren't going to count because I'm going to try to do other things like just more fun exercise during the weekends. But every day during the week, part of my routine is to go to the gym and do something. And then I come back, I plan my day on my whiteboard using Todoist, which is better now. 
Um, and then I'm, the other ones are read for 20 minutes, which that doesn't have to be in the morning. I usually read when I find myself in a productive slump because reading is easier than writing a script or filming or something. Uh, drink at least 32 ounces of water in addition to that initial glass, which I'm trying to do way more than that, but like, that's at least a baseline. Like you can at least drink the empty Fiji bottle you have sitting on the counter plus that glass in the morning. And, uh, last one is to clear the PC and the desk to control. Close my tabs, close my programs, shut the computer down, clean my desk. Like we said, everything in its place. So I used to have, I think, 17 or 18 dailies on Habitica. And um, when you find that you have let entropy slip into your life and you're failing on your habits and you're checking into the inn, even when you're not on vacation, as Nick Winter says in his book, um, The Procrastinator, what is it, The Motivation Hacker, when you build success spirals up, like you, you convince yourself that you prove to yourself that you can do something and then you add a little bit more and you're spiraling up and, and so you can do more and more and more. When you fail, you can't jump right back to where you were. It often doesn't work. So you have to start back down from square one. So I don't have daily meditation right now on that daily list. I may add it back in as I convince myself over a couple weeks that this routine is doable and I can keep doing it along with accomplishing all my work and keeping my systems in order and not being too stressed. So I think I ended up doing almost a pretty good length episode on this. Wasn't expecting to do that. But yeah, the basic idea here is if you find that your life seems a little out of control, if you're finding yourself overwhelmed, if your organization system's not working, then figure out what needs to be reset and reset it. And, uh, you may need to do this multiple times, you know, over the course of a, of a year or something like that. Like you just going to have to be honest with yourself and know from your personal history. If I reset the system now, it's probably not going to stay perfect forever. I'm probably still going to have to do it again in the future, but it doesn't stop me from doing it now. And then try to build in little controls and, you know, weekly check-ins that help you keep the system running smoothly for as long as possible. And that will benefit you, uh, you know, a lot. So I'm releasing this episode now. It's, I'm, it's December December 4th as I record it. So it'll come out on Monday after I record this because uh, January is coming up. And as weird as it is, as arbitrary as it is, that turnover of the year makes our brains go, hey, we want to turn over a new leaf, get into new habits, blah, blah, blah. So that's a, a good impetus for, for uh, resetting your systems. Hopefully your system is good enough to get you through finals and um, actually, hopefully today, as you listen to this, as I've released it, I'm going to concurrently release the video on building a final study schedule because I didn't realize people have finals really early on. Like my school had finals probably starting like December 13th, I would say. So like over a week from now and like the dead week, the study week would be the week like as you listen to this, the seventh Um there are people commenting on the YouTube channel saying, I just had one of my finals, like December 3rd. So lesson learned. And when I do kind of like content that's meant to be timed with finals or something like that in the future, it's going to be more early. Um, but hopefully that video will benefit you. It should be on the YouTube channel as you listen to this. So go check it out. And yeah, when you get through your finals, which best of luck on those, think about resetting systems that need to be reset. Think about resetting your own system, your brain, if you're finding you're overstressed. And um, one last thing is, one thing I'm going to try to do 
is get into some activities that are fun. Like, I, I guess I just need to do more high density fun. Um, I've been investing a lot of time in video and kind of slipping on a lot of the things I've talked about. So one thing I might do this winter is hockey. That might be fun. Anywho, I didn't mention where show notes are. So if this is your first episode of the podcast, well, for one, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. This is, well, I mean, this is a kind of a typical monologue episode, but there are many interview episodes as well. So check those out as well. But uh, you can find the show notes at CIGpodcast.com. The episode 87 link on the page, I believe this is 87. You know, this is what happens when you start extemporaneously recording a podcast. Like when I, when I hit the record button, all I had in mind was you need to do a reset. And then I figured I would talk about my reset. I didn't know what I would say, but yes, 87 because 86 was the conversation with Matt Ringle this week. So yeah, 87, I'll have all the uh, resources, the links to things I mentioned in the show there if you want to check them out. Also, there are links to rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you would like to support the show. That goes a long way to driving it up the ranking charts and helping more people find it. So definitely a cool thing to do, but no obligation. Other than that, that's it for this podcast. So hopefully this benefited you in some way. And uh, that's all I got. So until next week, stay cute.